have tech issues. That's true. You're usually good to go. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not purposely not trying to throw you under the bus. I that <laughs> I, that, that came out like I was, but I'm I'm not trying to. <laughs> no, this computer it, it always it's taking longer and longer, especially because I'm not using. I feel like I'm not using it as much. I guess just lately, you know, I haven't been mm -hmm. using it as much, but I've been. It's been very work. I've been very work computer oriented and not personal computer oriented. Just the nature of the beast. Should we get going? Yeah, might as well. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 3, Episode 2, The Benadryl Brownie. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, Chet's Shirt. We really only had one little bit of homework that, as I suspected, I forgot to do immediately. <laughs> like, uh, But luckily, you know, Ted was a little late getting on. Again, for once, you had the tech problems and you were a little late getting on. But then yeah. again, I was a little late sending the invite. So I guess that was mostly well, the problem. <laughs> for, for being late getting on, I will put 100% of the blame on Outlook slash Hotmail because I literally clicked the invite the second I got it in my inbox. I don't know what... The ten minute delay is yeah, uh, it, between Yahoo and Hotmail, but man, they're they're still beefing over that two thousand and four rivalry, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the only bit of homework had to do with watching the beginning of the episode again because I thought it would be brilliant circular plot if Larry was eating a pear in the very beginning of the scene where he throws a core into some other guy's trash can because. His story for missing the dentist dinner party and not going over and seeing him socially was that he was up in Pear Country, wherever the, wherever they, I don't remember where he said it was, but I was like, wouldn't that be great if he just had pear, Bartlett pears on the brain because of that? Uh, so is Larry eating a pear at the beginning of the episode? He is verifiably 100% not eating a pear it's definitely an uh, apple <laughs> okay know. okay <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm disappointed in that because i think it would have really been great but oh well and uh, let's see i just have some other trivia and tidbits from this episode before we get to the book while shopping for the waiter's uniforms larry mentions to jeff that he was in the military and larry david actually did serve in the army reserve during the vietnam war so Ooh. just kind of an interesting irl crossover between show larry and an actual larry and i think that came up before i feel like it came up before maybe when we were talking in seinfeld maybe about jerry stiller frank costanza's military service when he has those flashbacks and stuff i feel like it might have came up but i don't know and larry's idea for bells on tables to summon waiters in restaurants is now according to this imdb uh, trivia tidbit commonplace in many restaurants <laughs> in spain where doorbells <laughs> attached to the tables ring with their own tone to the corresponding table number in the Oh, kitchen. my God. So not in the, you know, it's not like ringing a bell in the actual dining room, but it does ring back into the kitchen. And so that must be a nightmare to work in. <laughs> <laughs> um, even more of a nightmare than kitchens normally are to work in. Uh, and it also reminded me of, I think, a good implementation of this. And I can't believe it didn't catch on. Have you ever been to a Bubba Gump or seen a Bubba Gump shrimp factory or whatever they call that yes chain. yes and so you've seen the signs that say run forest run or stop forest stop if you yes. need a waiter's attention oh my god the license plate or whatever it is to, to the side that you need and your waiter will come over and stop and that's that's kind of a brilliant way that this has been implemented without any audio all visual <laughs> um yeah i've never eaten at a bubba gump shrimp is it factory? I feel like it's factory, but that's but I feel like that's wrong too. Um, uh, I, it's I a bu that. Bubba Gum Shrimp Company. 
Yeah, company. There you go. <laughs> or it's either company or co. I feel like it might be co. Yeah. yeah, but you don't say shrimp co. I think you're supposed to say the full thing. Shrimp company. They just wanted to fit on a shirt, a good looking shirt that says Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. It Times is, Square uh, or whatever. Yeah, it is Bu- Bubba Gump Shrimp Company is the name yeah. of the company. But yeah. the, the website does say Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. Yeah, but I don't think I, I, I would use the formal. I wouldn't abbreviate my uh, <laughs> if I was referring to it. If I was asking people, hey, we're in. You would, uh, you would use the usted and not the two yeah, version. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I would complete the abbreviation and say, hey, we're in <laughs> Times Square. Don't you guys want to go to this great local restaurant? Bubba, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. They're always in. It always blows my mind that big chain restaurants like that are at like Navy Pier in Chicago or, yeah. you know, I'm like, why are you, why are you eating at Applebee's when you come to New York City or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to, yeah. I'm going to go to Disney Springs and eat at Bubba Gump Shrimp <laughs> Company. Exactly. Like most I mean, of that stuff is kind of changed. It's Bubba Gump. Yeah, it's Bubba Gump, Applebee's, Margaritaville. Yeah. It's, they're not going to have like local places in there. It's going to be fucking chains to the max yeah that makes more sense but even when we were in disney springs we found like a burger place i'd never heard of or or like this we, well we tried to go to this irish pub style mm-hmm. restaurant that i had never seen before then i'm like at least this is you know it it seemingly is something unique to this area not bubba gump or and i don't even have a bumba gump bump why can't i say bumba gump but bu- um, i don't even- i don't have, i don't have bumba gump <laughs> I start talking like Bubba. You were uh, uh, you were just in Virginia for a little bit. Yeah, Maybe, that's true. Were you, it must be. <laughs> were you close to West Virginia? Yeah, no, but we were in we were in country. Uh, you know, we were in the country. <laughs> we, we don't we don't got no bump a gump. Yeah. Uh, so let us now consult the book. And speaking of family, my brother uh, had another great idea for the podcast. You know, because we're we're treating the book as a very religious. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're in church and he was like, you should play the, you know, now let's consult the book, the HBO chorus that's plays before. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, but so because we're between seasons, we they give us a little more look at the improv process. And one of our favorite scenes from season two Episode one was scene nine from the car salesman, Larry's first day on the job selling cars. We really liked all of the, you know, and they lay out the script of what actually made it to air with Larry trying to sell cars to three or four different customers. And here's the outline for that. So just to give you a little idea of what everybody gets when they get to set and then what actually makes it to screen. This is all that was written. Interior showroom. Larry with different customers doing whatever he has to do. When specific questions are asked, he tries to bullshit his way through them. To one customer, he gives a sob story. It seems he needs the money to pay for his ailing sister's doctor bills. To another customer, he says, come on, buy it. But at the end of the day, no cigar. (laughs) And that was morphed into all those great scenes with with people trying to, you know, him trying to sell the car to people. Uh, Including Afion and Afion's sister. Let's see here. We got an interview with Cheryl David. That sounds fun. An interview with Lori David, Larry David's real wife. But Ooh. you're going to have to buy the book um, to get that. <laughs> I got, I'm trying to get to the, geez, directors on directing. We got some storyboards. Man, I remember this in between. Jeez. I do want to go back through and read all this eventually. But I'm trying to find. There we go. Here we go. Season three, Chet's shirt. Uh, in this episode. The name of the restaurant Larry invests in is Bobo's. 
David used the same name in a scene on Seinfeld. Elaine was sitting in the office of a psychiatrist she was dating. The phone rang, and a psychiatrist answered, Yes, Bobo. I do not remember that at all. I, what a weird thing to say into a telephone. Yeah, I've got no recollection of that. <laughs> yes, Bobo. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, do not remember That's that. so weird. You can see Larry David's mouth curling up at the sides as he tries not to laugh in the scene at the store when Chris Barnes, Burt Bondi, says, I know you from somewhere, but I just can't place it. I think I know you from the 1215 spin class down at the gym. So Larry David almost breaking, but it, it was one of those times <laughs> in the in the show, and Seinfeld did this a lot when one of them was starting to break and they left it in. It's like, you would laugh at that. Like, that's something Larry would laugh at. Like, yeah. maybe not ruin a scene laugh at but chuckle at like yeah, yeah if you knew me you'd know i'm not in a spin class uh larry david doesn't like to wear short sleeve shirts so when he discovered a shirt he liked by tommy bahama that only came in short sleeves he would buy two of them and have his tailor add sleeves to the first shirt with oh, material from the God. second <laughs> what that's amazing that's amazing what <laughs> Like custom bespoke Tommy Bahama long what a sleeve shirt. Fucking shirts. weird guy. One of a kind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's I know, amazing. I, I, I've never heard of like tailoring a shirt like that. Uh, yeah. There's there's a couple of YouTubers that Grace and I watch. You've probably heard of them. Rhett and Link. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rhett is legit six foot seven, yeah. and he has to get tailored shirts like just for his everyday use. So he says, I think. He said that he buys normally a 2 or a 3X, but gets the body tailored down to, like, a larger, a 1X. Yeah. Oh, so it's long enough. Well, yeah, it's, not, it's, would, it's long yeah. enough, but not, like, baggy because he's not, like, uh, 300 pounds. I would have that problem sometimes with shirts that, like, if you bought a large or even some mediums that would not be long enough, but they'd be super mm -hmm. wide for some reason. Yeah. Like, what? No one's yeah. shaped like this. <laughs> The photo going back to the book, the photograph of Chet, <laughs> the photograph of Chet is actually curb producer Tim Gibbons. There Ooh. you go. Chris Barnes, who plays Burt Bondi, played Jerry's stand up friend Richie Apple on Seinfeld. I did not recognize him, oh, but there's yeah. a little and I think he looks better now. He must have cleaned up his act or something like because as I remember Richie Apple in Seinfeld, if it's the character I'm thinking of, uh, he I don't know, he. He aged pretty well, I guess, uh, I, I would say, if it's who I'm thinking of. Because I thought, yeah, Richie Apple was, like, the guy who, like, wanted to store a coat at Larry's uh, Jerry's place or something like that. Nah, now mm. I don't know. I can't find a picture of him, believe it or not. Nah, yeah, it looks... Uh, I'm, I'm finding pictures of him. He does look uh, looks about the same, you know, L little, little less hair yeah, on top of yeah. his head. But, I mean, I, I think that's... To be expected. I must be thinking of a different stand-up that was that was following Jerry around. Oh, uh, okay. Um, after this episode aired, Caruso's on 8th Street and Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica got so many calls from people looking for Chet's shirt that they actually started selling it. Oh, my God. How about God. that? Yeah, a little boost in business for Caruso's. <laughs> but Chet's shirt is made by Nat Nast, the company Nat Nast, if you're uh, looking to bring back the bowling shirt. A phenomenon that we were talking about from the late 90s, early 2000s. I wonder if Nat Nast is even in business anymore. Nat I can get Nast? N-A-T-N-A-S-T? Yeah. I can get a Nat Nast shirt. Oh, it looks like it is. And I got to say, yes. I, do not, I do not hate what I'm looking at. Oh, <laughs> I am God. still into this look. <laughs> 
which by the way, it came up again. I don't know why my, in my friend group, Twitter chat, uh, bowling shirts came up again. What are you looking at? Nat Nass shirts? Yeah, they are expensive. Yeah, they are. 135 bucks, 225 for the Vegas stripe embroidery. Oh, but Ted, I mean, they might as well call this Dan flashes. Cause it is like my exact style. Ted, <laughs> This store sells shirts that are like my exact style. You know why they're expensive? The patterns. The patterns are so intricate. Did you see <laughs> yeah. the tattoo flash one? The tattoo art design? No. <laughs> Did you see the the one that has a map of the Mid-Atlantic on it? Oh, that God. It says, Welcome to Bourbon Country. Ah, uh, the Bourbon Trail Embroidery. 225 Ted, I am not spending my per diem. I'm buying Nat Nass shirts <laughs> from now on. <laughs> I mean, these are uh, my exact style. We're having too much fun. We should get back to <laughs> what know, we're talking about. There's only a couple. There's. A, I love that there's so many tidbits from this uh, episode, though. There's two more here. Tony Soprano wore Chet's shirt in an episode of The Sopranos. And <laughs> of course he I, did. I believe at this point I will have tweeted out. I've, I've had a scheduled tweet for like weeks uh, ago, about to go out about Chet's shirt. So I think if you want to go to at no hugging, you can <laughs> see if you're listening to this, a picture of Chet's shirt on Tony Soprano. And Larry David named the dentist Burt Bondi after a guy he went to college with. But the dentist's name is not Burt Bondi. Burt Bondi is the guy who goes to the same dentist as Larry and recognizes him. So the book is wrong, but Larry named the dude who goes to the dentist Burt Bondi after a guy he went to college with. That's right, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, because the dentist is uh, Dr. Bloor. So, yeah. What were they thinking from the what they were thinking section of the book? Caroline Aaron, who played Barbara, said, "What's so funny is I'll go to another. I'll go do another job, and people who have careers that I lie in bed and dream about will ask me how they can get on this show. I did a movie with Mia Farrow, and she was like, What can I do to get on? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, um, I don't remember who Barbara was though. Probably somebody at the restaurant. Uh, Larry David on the inspiration for the restaurant storyline. I was always intrigued by how waiters' uniforms get chosen. Sometimes you'll go into restaurants and they'll have a striped blue shirt on, and I always wonder who came up with that idea. How did that happen? <laughs> how did the tie get picked out? Was it discussed in a meeting? And so for me, that was right in my wheelhouse. I wanted to be in on the decision-making part of that. Then I thought that in the final episode, the restaurant can open and get reviewed, which was an opportunity for me to injure the restaurant reviewer's thumbs. Okay, spoiler alert, I guess, for the end of this season. <laughs> uh, and Robert Weedy on the inspiration for the shirt argument. He said, I was admiring one of Larry's Tommy Bahama shirts, and for my birthday, he bought me one. But there was a red dot on it. Oh, my gosh, just like in uh, the in the Seinfeld episode where George tries to give that cheap cashmere with a red dot on it to everybody my point of view was that he should take it back but he thought it was my responsibility so it turned into this big debate which was the inspiration for the fight he has with ted it was a red stain but since there was a sweater with a red stain on it in seinfeld as i just mentioned we changed it to a tear ultimately i won the argument and his assistant laura had to deal with it <laughs> so that's how it worked out in real life yeah i can't believe larry didn't take it back and just give it to his assistant like that but i guess it's funnier just to keep the uh, argument going and end it the way it did so that's all from the book you may be seated that's it all right well if you have never listened to us before we are not a research heavy show despite the last 27 minutes 
uh, being I- I- exclusively bullshit, pretty much. Uh, we'd like to have mm-hmm. our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at no hugging on Twitter or no hugging, no learning show at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description or in the show description page on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I believe. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we will send you a free no-hugging, no-learning sticker free of charge. Uh, Just get us your mailing address however you want, either DM or email it to us. If you like us a little bit more than that, $5 a month over at patreon.com slash no-hugging. It's the It's a Hyundai tier really the only tier we have available that'll really get you anything. It's a Hyundai for five bucks a month. We'll get you every single episode one week early. It's also going to get you uh, one or two movie reviews every month and clipped content out of every episode, uh, ranging from a couple of minutes to t- sometimes 20, 25 minutes of, of extra content. Really just depends <laughs> uh, how much of uh, one we are on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, and how how long it's been since we've talked? Yeah, what mood we're in? Yeah, yeah. But speaking of those uh, movie reviews, we got to think of our next one. I know, I know, so, and and I thought of. Do you want to talk about it right now? Because I thought I, I, this movie was on the other day, and it does have two people from Seinfeld. Oh boy, and a few from Curb as well. Is it time we finally start doing what we've talked about for years and do a sex comedy? The one I'm talking about is Road Trip, <laughs> a teen oh, sex comedy. Oh my god. I yeah. would love to do road trip. Just, just apropos of nothing, but it was on TV the other day. And I was like, I wonder if anybody from Seinfeld is in this. And uh, sure enough, there are. All that being said, season three, episode two, the Benadryl Brownie. Original air date, September 22nd, 2002. If you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry finally enters the world of cell phones. But poor reception leads to a big time mix up. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I hate about it is that it's too long. I think we can shorten it up, but it's not—it's not bad. Besides that, maybe mm-hmm. I'm maybe I'm off. We'll see when we get to the end. Uh, so we open at Cellular Depot, where Larry is looking at a phone, and despite all of the—I mean, I've never seen more businesses in a single shot. Uh, you know, th- not only do we get Cellular Depot, a little bit later we're going to get a view of the street and a strip mall and names of all the businesses. Ted, I couldn't find one piece of information <laughs> about where this actually is. None of these businesses appear to exist anymore. Not Cellular Depot, not Barbecue, Teriyaki, and Maki. Not, not even the not even the brands that Cellular Depot was selling because they were a singular yeah. retailer. <laughs> yeah, I think they not, I think they did have an AT and T logo, like an old AT and T logo. But I may have just been looking for something. They had AT&T and they had that one that was a guy that's an the Orange X. What was that company? That's Singular. Okay, that's that's Singular. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's and why a- a- AT&T okay. ended up buying Singular and just yeah, absorbed it into go. AT&T. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't find luggage for less. I couldn't find anything. I don't know where this where this is located and it killed me. I probably spent 30 minutes alone watching the first 3 minutes of this episode trying to find some something but everything i guess is gone if you're out in california and you know this section of corbin avenue please let me know because i'd love to know 
Uh, but Larry is looking at a phone. Richard Lewis is there telling him that he is in love with this woman, Deborah. The only down, he's like, she's the one. I love her soul. Uh, but the only downside is she's a Christian scientist. And Larry says, oh, dear. And Richard <laughs> Lewis immediately calls him out for saying, I don't I've never even heard you say, oh, dear, before. Have you ever said, oh, dear? But it's a great improv between the two. I love Richard Lewis picking up on that and going, yeah. oh, dear. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's awesome. And so Christian scientists, they don't take any medicine. Um, uh. I'm not. Fr- I'm. I'm not too familiar with this. Are you? I might do a little dive on, on Christian scientists and just figure out what they're all about. Because I've heard that same thing too that they, that they don't take. And, and and you always see like Christian Science reading rooms. Have you ever seen one of those? I have. It's like they no. have their own. It's like they have their own little recruiting center. Um. So yeah, I'll do I'll do a shallow dive on on yeah. the Christian Science I, sect. I've I've even heard of this before, but until yeah. they actually got to. You know, the the prayer, I forgot that it was a religion. I thought, like, she was a scientist. You know, like, how you can have right. a Christian therapist, and they're, like, the yes. worst people. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think I have depression. No, you just need to pray harder. Yeah. No, it's an actual offshoot of, of Christianity. But they don't take medicine, he says, and... That is, that's that's also the central tenet that I know about them, but I don't know. I don't even know if that's true. But yeah. so maybe we'll find out next week. Uh, but Larry does end up buying a cell phone outside. Richard Lewis wants Larry to watch his new special before it airs, and Larry suggests bringing it over and Deborah so they can meet her having dinner at his place on Friday night. He calls Cheryl and you know sets it all up. He says we can get the chef from the restaurant to cater and try that out. Uh, we can invite Jeff too. And I love that he threw this in. Yeah, yeah, it'll be my friends for a change. Yeah. I love that. That and, was great. Uh, <laughs> when, he's, when he's on the phone with uh, with Cheryl, like Richard is like telling her, he's like, oh, De- Deborah's allergic to peanuts. So Larry makes sure to tell Cheryl, hey, can we, can we uh, accommodate this? Uh, t- tell the chef like she's allergic to peanuts and so no peanut oil. And so at dinner, Richard Lewis uh, tells uh, Larry and the, the whole gang there that he and Deborah are going to the Emmys and they can't wait. It's going to be great. Uh, Deborah bought a dress and everything. Cheryl is looking forward to the Emmys too. She has a whole watch party planned. They're going to they're going to watch the East Coast feed so it, they can watch <laughs> it in the afternoon and, and they don't have to wait till the evening. And then Jeff asks for ketchup for his steak and both Larry and Richard Lewis, and and I have to agree that it's a huge insult to the chef. I mean, that's just disgusting. I mean, <laughs> look, Trump does it. That's all you need to know about putting ketchup on steak uh, in order, yeah, to know. And but but by the way, the the chef does bring. It's not made a big deal. I sure hope as we continue the restaurant storyline that it comes back because it never comes back that that it is a big deal. But the chef does bring ketchup out. Did you notice the ketchup brand? No. It is Dort's brand ketchup. What the fuck is Dort's ketchup? Well, obviously, it was a prop made by prop master Dort Clark. Oh, my lord. Yeah, and he put his own name on the ketchup. Holy shit. (laughs) I know. When I noticed that, I was like, now that I know the name Dort Clark, I can't you know, unknow it. And now you're, you're going to be I've seeing Dort brand everything. I hope so. I hope this is the oh. start of everything Dort brand. <laughs> yeah. Dort's ketchup. <laughs> um, so after dinner, they all sit down to watch the special and the TV won't work. Uh, Larry's got like five or six remotes. They keep complaining that, you know, they always get this guy, Mike to come over and he never, he can't fix it. 
and but Larry won't fire him because he's black. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved. There's a great shot. I'm already going to throw this in for an early candidate for cover art. There is a good shot of everybody on the couch, and Richard Lewis has his head in his hands. And I know it's because he, he's got anxiety about not being able to watch the special tonight. But it does come right after they argue about whether or not you can fire a black guy. And I, I have, I just have to imagine that partly his head in his hands was inspired by that conversation <laughs> because it looked like the thing I would be doing if people were talking about that in front of me. Like, oh God, just stop talking like this. Um, so that that's already my early uh, vote for a cover art. Okay, okay. We'll um, see if uh, we'll see also, if we can find anything better. I, I understand that we needed it for you know the plot and the conflict, but to me, a TV repairman is someone you just never call again. And that's how you fire him. He didn't have a standing order to come over and fix his TV every week. I yeah. mean, maybe he did. Like, every Friday, come over and fix the TV again. Like, like just wh- don't call him. What are you doing with the TV that you need someone over there every week and fixing it? Yeah. It's not like a maid service or an exterminator that, like, comes every month at, a, at the same yeah. time. And you have to say, hey, don't come this month. It's like you call a different service. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I don't. Maybe Hollywood is different. Maybe yeah. maybe Hollywood elites in in the '90s and early 2000s were were on something different. You know? Yeah. But, you need satellite maintenance. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the satellite moved differently in the 2000s. And you need him to like to adjust the dish every single month just to make sure it worked. But this also has nothing to do with the satellite dish. They're trying to watch no. something on the VCR. Larry jokingly asked if they should just play Scrabble instead, but they resolved to go to Richard Lewis's house to watch the rest of to, to actually watch the special everyone's going to go except deborah starts feeling sick and they start trying to figure out what uh, is happening uh, you know maybe they were uh, peanuts in the brownie that she loved so bad that jeff brought over from his wife's place uh but no there, there are no peanuts in there because jeff doesn't like them either and cheryl never got the message she never heard through the cell phone bad reception that uh, there were supposed to be no peanuts in anything that they ate for dinner, so the chef probably put peanuts in stuff. So she doesn't feel great. Richard Lewis is pissed. Larry, he, he acts very prickish <laughs> at, at the end of the scene. And I, you know, very, like, confrontational, too. He's like, bye. Oh, I guess you guys have to go. Bye. And I couldn't figure <laughs> out why he was acting like that. It was weird. Yeah, very just antagonistic towards Richard Lewis. Uh, but I guess it's because Richard got so pissed at Larry acting like it was his fault that, A, the peanut message didn't make it through. That's your fault. And, B, we can't watch my special. That's your fault. Uh, yeah. So now that, that you know, this is happening, I guess Larry is, uh, you know, is acting like that. I love the button on the scene, too, that he asked Jeff if he wants to play Scrabble. He's like, <laughs> I joked about it. Now I'm in the mood. <laughs> not, not only that, but uh, to close out the scene, Jeff asks for some milk. Yeah, do you have any milk? Uh, right after Larry tells Cheryl, uh, you don't have to play. It's better with two people. <laughs> <laughs> now you're not involved in the evening at all. Uh, I loved that. Uh, over at John O. Groats, which thankfully had a nice address <laughs> number right on it, and I could tell was, believe it or not, still at 10. Oh, damn it. It's another one of these. At 10516 <laughs> West Pico Boulevard in the Rancho Park area of L.A., it is still there. It, it opened in this location in 1984, from what I could tell from their about section. Uh, they've been open in the area since February of 1982, though. Family run by the Jacoby family and their son, Paul, who, from what I could gather in the about section, is a son from a previous marriage from Mrs. Jacoby, because he has a, a different last name, Paul Tyler. 
but the, they they've all run the place uh you know for the past 40 years uh, 40 years is that right 20 and 20 yeah 40 about, years about so, it's yeah. been going yeah it's open only for breakfast and lunch, 8 to 3, every single day of the week. And that was so the Jacobis could have dinner with their sons uh, every night and, uh, and not have to worry about running the restaurant. And that's why it's still only open for breakfast and lunch. And on the <laughs> awning, it says, if you're ever going to go, you got to get these biscuits from heaven. Ooh. I guess they got amazing biscuits. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That, Making that me hungry. really good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty good. And Larry is there firing Mike, the TV guy. Who does end up playing the race card says, you know, oh, you're firing me because I'm black. But Larry says that's not the case at all. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, I'd fire anybody who's not good at their job. And Larry does end up throwing his wife under the bus, too. You know what? It's, it's really my wife who wants you fired. But Mike doesn't buy that either. He's saying be a man about it. Uh, you know, take take responsibility for what you're doing. Yeah. He says, like, if you're going to be a racist, at least own up to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, boy, um, I'm sure Mike it, is still around in 2022 when people do that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like he's not upset about Larry being a racist, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm sure he faces racial discrimination in, <laughs> in his life, sure. uh, or, or at least this character does. But he's just upset that Larry's a big old puss about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that he throws his wife under the bus. Uh, Mike demands at least to leave the tip for their meal. And Larry, as he goes to pay, notices that Mike only left $2. And so he leaves a few more dollars on the table for the waitress as he spots Wanda Sykes glaring at him from <laughs> the back of the restaurant that he's been eating in the whole time. Over at uh, what we find out is Deborah's parents' house, Larry shows up to see her. Deborah's mom answers the door and she's like, oh, great. You're just in time for the prayer group uh, uh... that we're having. Yeah. I can't tell you uh, something that I would hate hearing oh, more. Man, yeah. And Larry does as he walks in. He clocks a black TV repairman working on the TV there, um, which doesn't really come back. I mean, it does kind of come back, but not in any substantial way. Like, I thought literally he was going to, you know, hire this guy. Yeah. Uh, in Deb's room, Richard Lewis is there, and he's trying to talk her out of going to the Emmys because I guess they don't even they, they didn't even spend the money on the makeup for this, but I guess she's <laughs> swollen and looks so awful and probably like blotchy and splotchy and just like the allergic reactions he's having to eating peanuts is so bad and has not gone down that he's trying to you know convince her a not to go to the Emmys, but then also Larry is just trying to convince her to like take a Benadryl, like yeah. you know, and she's like, "This is my faith. We don't take medicine." But I one way I love Larry trying to get her to take the pentacles. And I think they both start saying it, just pop it in, just pop it in, just pop it in. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, again, antagonistic, the point, well, just pop it in and then it's over. You, you know, you took it. It's fine. Um, and he does divert to TV talk after that saying, is that guy any good? I'm looking for a new, I'd like that. You know, is that TV guy? Does he come a lot? Can you tell me anything about him? Uh, and that's when Deborah kind of kicks him out of the room. And that's when Larry is dragged into the prayer circle. And I got to say, as someone who grew up in the church, I also hate what Larry hated, too. When she, she oh, stand, stand right here and grab these hands. He's like, no, no, let's do boy, girl. Come on. You can't do it like this. <laughs> so you have when you had to hold hands with two dudes, like it just wasn't, you know, wasn't ideal. But, you know, I, I wasn't a 60 year old man or whatever Larry is. But as a kid, it's like uh, I got to hold hands with my friend. Yeah. You know, but it's the, like just not. But But the thing is. Larry makes it 10 times worse, at least for his homophobia reasons, <laughs> by only holding the pinkies lightly yeah. of both men on both of his sides. Yeah, like making them hold his 
pinky and like sort of putting his <laughs> wrist even back a little bit or like making it floppy in a way that yeah looks looks pretty funny and in the this was great though in the middle of the prayer his cell phone rings and it, <laughs> the tune is Hava Nagila which also was awesome which, which was, was just an incredible sequence yeah just the great like old digital beep beep yeah um and outside richard lewis is unloading on larry uh just you know about mainly it seemed like he's just trying to take it out on somebody and larry just happens to be there because he does eventually kind of calm down and go like you know what what are we going to do we got to come up with something what are we going to do and they do come up with the titular benadryl brownie we'll get Susie or somebody to cook more of those brownies and we'll put Benadryl in the brownie. She'll take it. It'll work. And they'll think it's the prayer. That's why it's so great. <laughs> she'll never know she took the Benadryl and she'll think the prayer worked. And that's why we should make this woman take drugs that she doesn't want to take. <laughs> but Richard Lewis loves the idea. So all they have to do is get the brownie recipe from Susie. So over at Jeff's, Larry shows up to try to get the brownie recipe. But Susie, who says Jeff stole the brownies from his daughter's bake sale, they were for Sammy's bake sale, Susie won't give up this super secret grandma's <laughs> recipe to Larry. He even tries exchanging a secret. I'll tell you a secret, and then you can tell me the secret. I might lose a testicle. That's what my doctor said. They might have to take a <laughs> testicle. But that's not good enough for Susie. No dice. I, I loved, uh, uh, well, I mean, before we get to uh, lines at the end of the scene, um, we, we find out that Susie got a dog named Oscar uh, yes. because her and Sammy are in the house alone. Cause I, so I, I guess Jeff is still not living in the house. Yeah, very moved out. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that plot point comes back later on in the season that they have a dog now <laughs> to, yeah. to protect them. Uh, but Larry tells Susie, it's not the Manhattan Project. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after, I think it's just like as she's closing the door on his face, Larry just yells, I just told you I'm going to lose a ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That reminds me that I, like he did need this secret, but I also hate when someone has a secret that they won't tell you and you want to impress upon them that it's not that big of a deal. Like that's, you know, you shouldn't be keeping this a secret because it's not that big of a deal. I don't yeah. really want to know, but also you shouldn't be keeping it a secret because <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. It's so not big of a deal that I'm going to be fine living my life without it. But you should also know that it, it could be an interesting thing about you that you can tell people. But no, you're going to keep it a secret. Um, a good example of that is when people keep the sex of a baby secret. You yeah. Know? It's like, well, you know what? I, I don't really care, but it, also it doesn't matter to anybody else but you. You might as well. Who do you think you're going to surprise? You know, <laughs> like... You know it. Just tell people. It's not that great of a secret. Back at home, Richard Lewis and Larry <laughs> try explaining their plan to Cheryl and try to convince her to make this Benadryl brownie. And this was another great little improv bit to me between Richard Lewis and Larry David. I'm liking their scenes together more, even more than I always uh, already did. But, you know, <laughs> they're... He's talking about going to the Emmys, and Larry's like, she looks awful. She can't go like this. And Richard Lewis is like, no, it's it's not about that. And Larry's like, it's 90% that. He's like, no way. And Larry's like, 85. And he was like, it's 75, 25 <laughs> max. They try to figure out whether it's like, whether we want her to get better or whether it's how she looks. And I'm going to have to take her to the Emmys looking like this. And, uh, you know, because that, that makes you a shallow person, you know, if it would be 90% looks and 10%, we want her to feel better. You know, they try everything to to throw it at Cheryl, like, you know, is it going to taste 
differently is uh you know the the prayer is going to work that'll be fine it, it happened at our house uh that's why we have to take responsibility that does kind of make cheryl go all right well i guess it did it was kind of my fault and our fault that she is in this situation so i guess if this is going to get her out of it that's when she kind of relents like it did happen at our house so i'll bake these benadryl brownies for you i do wonder a little bit about the taste and also whether the medicine would cook out of it you know would this yeah. even work at all no um because you know feeling I mean, that like, it wouldn't but like pot brownies are a thing yeah and so that medicine stays in there somehow but the, thi- but the thing is pot brownies uh pot isn't like you know a produced medicine it, it it's like a naturally occurring thing you're not gonna uh pluck tylenol pills off of a plant right right there's some chemicals in there just kind of like alcohol that that may be but even with like say uh like like marijuana extract or something why that doesn't cook out or how you mm. can make you know, Very gummy bears or, or anything like that. It's uh, it's chemistry that's beyond me. I'll put down medicine brownie um, viable <laughs> um, and maybe I will find. <laughs> I bet there's, there's got to be a Reddit thread or probably more likely a Quora question. Oh, yeah. Can I cook a Benadryl or, brownie and or have a, somebody? <laughs> or a ask Cha-Cha. Oh, I haven't even heard of that. You've never heard of Cha Cha, dude? No, no. It was like, uh, it was like search engine in middle school that you could like text uh, a question to, and it, it would uh, it would get you back with the answer. Interesting. No, I don't remember that. So, uh, this scene also has a great button on it where Larry also is about to leave the room, and he's also like, "Wait, can you bake? I've never seen you bake. I've never even seen you <laughs> in the kitchen working. Like, can I like you bake? They, they concocted this whole plan for Cheryl to, for Cheryl to bake these brownies. And yeah. then Larry's like, wait, can Cheryl bake? Can, <laughs> can my wife bake? I've never seen her do her this. That, ask her that to her face. Is like, you've just got her to do this thing she doesn't want to do. And then you insult her right to her face. It's hilarious. <laughs> so over at Deb's parents, Richard Lewis and Larry show up with the brownies. And they eventually make their way into Deborah's room. And she says pretty def- definitively, it's pretty obvious. This is not the same recipe. And Larry gets indignant. He's had, he's had very aggressive reactions to everything in this episode now that yeah, i'm pointing it out for the third time <laughs> yeah he's gotten mad immediately something was going on uh with larry because he gets mad he's like, it's a thing what are you talking about it's a thing when <laughs> like, geez yeah it's it's obviously not and larry you know it's not <laughs> yeah why well, was indignant the way to go you know the the, rea- the right reaction to that <laughs> right away so she won't eat it she won't eat the brownie but she still insists on going to the Emmys. So back at home, Cheryl is having her Emmy watch party, and she can't get the TV to work, wouldn't you know it? Wanda Sykes is there, though. She's at the watch party, and she asks Larry why she fix- he fixed the tip that the guy left that he was having breakfast with, <laughs> and she calls him a tip profiler, <laughs> which God I love. God damn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to do my Wanda again. You're a tip profiler. I see that wasn't full Wanda. Um, <laughs> and she also gets upset that he did fire the black man. <laughs> and did you hear someone giggle? Someone off camera giggled yes, at this and yes. ruined the take, but they kept it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you fired the black man. That's why you had to fire the black. And, and Wanda, you know, they, they keep talking about this and Larry keeps insisting that he didn't fire him because he's black. But Wanda stands up and turns on the satellite. See, you got to turn it on the green light or you can fire the black man, whatever works for you. That was so... <laughs> damn funny that was like the funniest line in an episode that had a few and i just love that you gotta turn it on 
or you can fire the black man, whatever works for you. Uh, and so we're finally getting to watch the Emmy telecast, and it's Joan Rivers on the red carpet. She sees Richard Lewis coming and pulls him over and then notices that Deborah, they still won't show her face on camera, but it's obviously still affected by the peanut allergy. And Joan Rivers just starts roasting Deborah, saying she's seen better faces on a hemorrhoid. Jesus when Christ. You, yeah. When E.T. phoned home, did you pick up? Good and as Lord. they're walking away, her last one is, uh, how are things in Loch Ness? And uh, <laughs> then Frolic starts up, and that's the end of the episode. All right. Well, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, what is the deal with Christian scientists and the Christian science sect? And is a medicine brownie viable for feeding someone, say, something like Benadryl? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Do you want to keep with what you said earlier? I still like that. And I got to say, I like it better than Joan Rivers' giant face, which has nothing to do with the episode, really, which is yeah. what HBO Max thinks is good cover art. Uh, <laughs> my God. There's two episodes in a row that HBO Max, like, <laughs> really under-delivers on their, on their cover art. So, okay, again, what did you say you liked for the cover art? So when they're sitting down to watch the special, there's a scene where Richard Lewis just has his hands just buried, his head buried in his hands, and everyone else is yelling at Larry, uh, trying to fix the TV, and and so you get Cheryl and Deborah and Richard and and Jeff, I think probably all in the same shot, yelling up at Larry, who's who's standing up. I, I think it was uh, I think it was pretty good. And I like the way that I like Richard Lewis's uh, expression, I guess if you can call it that. I like his body language in that scene. <laughs> what what do you think? What uh, what else I, what, what else I, do we have? I, I like that. You know. Yeah. Something with something with Larry and or Larry and Richard looking down at Deborah might be good too, and maybe yeah. more in the spirit of the episode. But I don't know for some reason I just like that Richard Lewis with it his is, hands. It is a it is a, a little more of an artsy shot, you know, from from Deborah's point of view, yeah, looking yeah, looking yeah. up at Larry and Richard. I wish they would have spent some money on some makeup, but as we saw from Larry losing a tooth, they couldn't even pull that off with their budget. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I, guess it's, I, I don't think I guess they're going they to pull off uh, special <laughs> effects makeup for an allergic reaction. <laughs> yeah. Bring in Tom Savini. That's what I would want for some great practical like head-exploding effects, uh, head-stretching and exploding. <laughs> no deal. No deal. All right. Uh, let's see what we can come up with for the description. Okay. So we had, Larry finally enters the world of cell phones, but poor reception leads to a big-time mix-up. I mean, you could say, man, this is a, a weird a weird episode where lots of stuff happens, and yet it's a very nothing episode. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, you, you could s- just start with, like, you know, poor cell phone service leads to a mix-up or something like that. Mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't really like that. We we got the cell phone. It, we got the it, TV. It gives it gives off very uh, the gang gets poor <laughs> cell phone reception vibes. Yeah, uh, I just don't know where to. Okay, you got the you got the the peanut thing. What about just what if, what if we just scrap all of that and, and say uh, Larry? What if we just chopped his, it in yeah. half and just Larry finally enters the world of cell phones? Yeah, I mean the cell phone does play a little role. In the like, Larry. What if Larry gets cell phone? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about Larry endangers Richard Lewis's date to the Emmys? Something like that. Oh, endangers is probably the wrong word. Um, uh, what's another word for like screws up? Hmm. Larry. Larry David jeopardizes Richard Lewis's new relationship. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of because of an allergic reaction. What about Larry's cell phone jeopardizes Richard Lewis's? New relationship. New relationship. There we go. 
I think yeah. I I think that'll do it. I think that's it. I feel like I feel like jeopardize is also. Let me see, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm I'm just gonna look up like ruin <laughs> synonym because there's a word I'm looking for. Uh, Larry's cell phone. Maybe Larry's bad cell phone. Do we have to say that? Nah. Okay. Because um, we don't know it's bad until it happens. You know, yeah. he it, we see him buying it. If if we if we read the description that his bad cell phone, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Larry's cell phone, man. I don't know what word I'm looking for here, but I guess jeopardizes is fine. I like that one of the uh, that for ruin Google does offer the vulgar slang of fuck up. <laughs> They're like <laughs> that rules. If you want to go there, <laughs> if you like, if you want to go blue, you can. Here it is. <laughs> Um, okay. I can't. Yeah, I can't find a better word. I guess that's. Um. I guess that's. I guess that'll work. That'll All right. Work. So, so Larry's cell phone jeopardizes Richard Lewis's new relationship. Yeah. That's Boom. Fine. All right, Tim. Yeah. Did you like this episode? I mean, it was a very middle of the road episode. Maybe even a little subpar, but I enjoyed it. I got a lot of good laughs out of it, especially Wanda at the end. And, mm-hmm. um. Yeah. I, I. I'll maybe I'll even now that I'm thinking about it, uh, take back the subpar. I think it was just a great average episode. Okay. What about you? I uh I liked it, you know. It was uh, it was all right. I I was laughing. It was yeah. uh it was decent. I did not like it as much as the season premiere though. Oh no. No, no, no. I mean, you know I starred that, so mm-hmm. it, it was nowhere near that for me, but it I did get some good laughs from it. Um and that's that's all I asked for. Yeah, there were some good scenes, some good improv. Yeah, just a nice middle of the road episode after a very strong season premiere. Yeah, so I I don't think it's any shock that it's a it's not a star from from either of us. Yeah, well no stars. Well, next week we have got season three, episode three, Club Soda and Salt. Original air date September 29th, two thousand and two. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are gonna see Larry, Jeff, and Ted scramble to find a new chef when Randy quits following the peanut incident. There we go. The peanut and probably the steak thing too. So there we go. We'll get a little bit there. That's not that's not bad. I do rem- I, I remember this episode. I know what club soda and salt means. I, I, I remember a little bit of this episode. So that's all I'll say. Uh, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.